Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Sacred Space Podcast. My name is Gina Stockton, and I am so honored that you are joining me today. My guest is Diana Dietz. Diana is the full-time intercessor for the worship department at Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas. You heard me right. Her full-time job is to be an intercessor, to cover the pastors, the leaders, the volunteers in the worship ministry at Gateway Church. We met five minutes before we started this conversation, and it was such a joy to get to know her, to hear her story, to just glean from her and her experiences. I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Uh, We talk about uh, her journey, her story, how she ended up there, but also just the things that God's taught her and the things that she's learned. I really hope that you're encouraged. I hope that this in some ways uh, inspires you to lean in and to trust the gifts that God's giving you, to maybe be willing to take a risk, to hear that gentle nudge from Him, whatever it may be in whatever area of your walk. How is God calling you and how can you be obedient to that? And when you do take that step, how God will meet you there. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the sacred space. So Diana, thanks for having a conversation with me. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me in. I'm really honored to be here with you. I'm honored to have you. I'm excited to chat with you. We just met five minutes ago. Louisa, our uh, mutual friend, connected us, and you are an intercessor. You uh, help with prayer for the worship department at Gateway Church in Texas, which is a huge church with an enormous worship ministry. Uh, You're an intercessor. Uh, Louisa, you also do care for the teams and the people. So yeah, can you share a little bit about that, what your role is, how God uses you in this place? Yeah, um, it's always changing. Mm -hmm. First of all, with Gateway being such a big organization um, that kind of morphs into different things depending on where I am. I'm a full-time volunteer. Wow. Um, so that's a little bit unusual at Gateway. There's only a few of us around. Like I have my own budget and an office and an administrator. And wow. Yeah. So they've been very kind to me. Um, Louisa and my oversight, our boss supervisor at Gateway is David Thompson. And I worked with him in the content department mm-hmm. uh, as a volunteer. And then when we moved, he moved over to worship, he invited me to come and be one of the four leads of the worship department, and my area is prayer. Mm. And then once we got into the worship department, um, really realized that there was people also in our staff and in our volunteers and in our organization that needed some staff care too or volunteer care more of an inner care Mm -hmm. and so I do a lot with that um, individually and then also with um, departments at Gateway with Mm. campuses campus staffs at Gateway Um, we get invited in I have a team and we get invited in to do prayer and prophetic ministry healing Mm deliverance, inner healing, freedom, however the Holy Spirit would lead us. That's awesome. Wow, that's a lot. Can we just talk a little bit 
about your journey to step into volunteering full-time because that is pretty unusual. Yeah. And some people would probably go, wow, you're crazy. Why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, can you talk a little bit about that? I know we're going to talk about prayer sure. in a minute yes. and like all of that, but I would love for you to share your journey in that. Yes. When we, when my family and I arrived at Gateway, we were pretty broken in all areas that mm. could be broken in mm. individually and as a family. And uh, we started working and we started walking through, we would call it our spiritual boot camp mm-hmm. season, where anytime the door at Gateway was opened, we were there. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm talking that yeah. at that point when we got to Gateway, there was something going on almost every night of the week. Yeah. And then five services on the weekend, wow. which had equipped classes during mm-hmm. those times. So you'd come to church, go to classes, started to get healed, went through Freedom Ministry, mm-hmm. and then we call it Kairos Ministry, mm-hmm. which is a two-day, really more of an inner healing, mm-hmm. two days of inner healing. And really started getting healed individually and as a family. And prior to that, I was a corporate troubleshooter, hmm. found and fixed problems in organizations, and I'd own a few businesses, but more on the business side. Mm-hmm. And I felt as we were getting healed, God asked me to volunteer full-time at Gateway well. because they'd been so good to us and our family. Hmm. And so primarily during those first couple of years, I would just pray eight hours a day hmm. for Gateway. Wow. And I did that for a, a few years. With, of course, with my husband's blessing, he felt that with the same calling that it was a season of pr- full-time prayer for Gateway. And then I started to get invited into different areas of prayer and helped start different areas of prayer at Gateway. And my husband and I, again, prayed about it and really felt like we wanted to offer full-time service. Hmm. That, that was God, what God was asking me to do. And from that, I volunteered in about 14 different departments. <laughs> and the organization mostly coming and serving whatever area they needed help in, mm-hmm. but always with a prayer emphasis. Yeah. Prayer and prophetic emphasis. And I really started to fall in love with the staff and see how much of what Gateway was called to and how each staff person had all these kind of unique and beautiful giftings that they'd, most of them had spent a lifetime acquiring. Yeah. And then how God was putting it all together. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that love for the staff, people's hearts would start opening up, and it, that's where kind of more the staff care part came but also in the middle of that I really felt like do I need to go back to work full-time do I need you know to still continue doing this so this was about October of 2019 and I felt the Lord say you know do you want people to pay you or do you want me to pay you Hmm. and I said of course I would love you to pay me and shortly after that someone gave me a a check for $15,000 and said, God, you know, just wants you to know he's really has favor on what you're doing. This was a person I didn't even know. Well, And then a couple months after that, someone gave me, I would drive a Mercedes convertible, a little hard top, because <laughs> I needed a new car. And yeah. I wasn't expecting that, right? right. Uh, and from so there, 
people just do that or yeah. body comes in in unusual ways and so we've tried to steward that well on our yeah. side as a family make sure we're giving out where it needs to go but also my prayer has always been enough for ourselves in every good work yeah and we feel like we're in a season of that now but it's coming way different than we had anticipated mm-hmm. wow oh my gosh this is really fun I love your story and there's a couple of things I I want to just highlight. I love the fact, because I, I think there's a misnomer for a lot of people in the church that are, for lack of a better term, lay people, people who attend church. And you read verses like, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, ceasing and everything, give thanks. And you kind of have this image of, you know, only a monk on a rooftop somewhere can pray without ceasing you know it it conjures up something very unattainable or if you say the word intercessor they think of there's some little gray-haired old kind of strange women hiding in a back room in the church basement somewhere on their knees and that's the intercessors but here you are someone who your family you and your family come you're broken is in your words you receive all of this healing you feel compelled to give back and you ask the Lord, what would you have me do? And he just says, pray, right? And yeah. so it's not, you know, a lightning bolt from heaven or two seminary degrees and training through all these programs. It was you as a daughter of the Lord's saying yes and then being obedient with that. And that's pretty awesome. What did that look like? I know this sounds a little too practical, but I think it's important for people to kind of hear what did it look like for you to pray eight hours a day? What was that sure. like for you? Was that hard? No. Like, what did it look like? Not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it had been a desire of mine for a long time mm-hmm. to spend a season of just praying, mm-hmm. but raising kids and starting companies and all the different things that I did, I still would pray, right? Um, but not eight hours a day, like, right, like, right. considering it my full-time job. So easier than I ever thought it would be. I, I get up every morning and I swim. Mm-hmm. And so my 20 minutes there and my hour at the pool and 20 minutes back, already you have, yeah. you know, some time in there. And I sing in the spirit a lot. Yeah. And so even when I'm shopping or wandering yeah. around, I can be singing in the spirit. and. Yeah. It's easy because people just hear melodies or yeah. song, and it's not uncomfortable yeah. for anyone. So I do that a lot. Mm, and, I, and during that season, I did that a lot, walking the neighborhood and just singing and yeah. praying. I did spend a lot of time laying and mm-hmm. kneeling yeah. and before the Lord. I mean, that was a few mm. hours a day every day. I think prayer is conversation, but not always out loud. Yeah. So those eight hours, some are just quiet thinking about scriptures yeah like letting my mind be saturated i listen to the bible on tape a lot Mm -hmm. so it could even be just listening to the scriptures and interacting with them yeah i love that you said conversation because i think that i don't know that i think a lot of times people don't have grid for that like thinking about scripture and then just saying like lord i don't understand that like what does that mean like what do you you know or that i have a hard time with that or like actually being real with him and 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 letting him respond responding to him and letting him respond to you and, and so that I mean, does take time it does it take does time. take yeah and, and and even anyone listening to this 
even though we're talking about how simple it is, it is simple, but there are probably 10 holy no's, I have to say, Mm -hmm. to be able to say that one yes to the Lord. Mm, There's a lot of holy no's that have to be said to live a lifestyle that is a lifestyle of prayer. And a lot of that was in silence. Yeah. So I know a lot of people think you have to talk. Yeah. Yes. You have to have some eloquent, you have to pray like, you know, that pastor, oh, the way they pray. Yes. You know, I've had people actually say to me, oh, I can't pray the way you do, Gina. And I have friends, they're a couple, Justin and Summer, and he's a prophetic pastor, you know, been to seminary, and he's also creative in a deep well. So when you... When he prays, sometimes you're like, I don't even understand what he just said, but okay, I'll agree with it. Like, it's deep and wide. And then his wife, Summer, is just super simple, straightforward, very simple prayers, but there is equal power, right? Absolutely. Equal depth, and Jesus responds equally because they're his kids, who he's uniquely equipped and gifted. So it's not about the words. It's often the posture, right? That's the it's most so important. so much the posture. And, and you're right. Everyone's so uniquely made. From In my life, I would fall more on your friend, the woman side. <laughs> I am really simple mm-hmm. and um, very childlike with mm-hmm. my prayers. And it's a big deal to me. Um, one of my gifting areas is strategy. Mm-hmm. And it's really strategic on that. Yeah. When I'm alone with the Lord or when I'm in a group of intercessors that have been prayer people for a long time, there is a different way that I do pray. Yeah. When I'm leading a public prayer, it's a real strategy to be as simple as I can. And one of my favorite compliments, even here at Gateway Church, was one time I was leading a prayer time, and afterwards someone came up and said, hey, like I heard you were the prayer, one of the big prayer people at Gateway, and then I heard you pray, and I thought, well, I can do that. Oh, so good. Right? That's and amazing. That, yes. And I was like, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. I'm so glad you said that because I, one of the things that I'm so passionate about is releasing God's people to to step into and believe their identity, which is they're a son, they're a daughter, they're, you know, in Ephesians, seated at the right hand with Jesus in heavenly places, high above every principality, power, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. We have authority through Jesus. Um, Jesus told the disciples to heal the sick and raise the dead. And then he says, when I'm gone, you will do these things in greater, right? You know, and people disqualify themselves. They go to church and, well, I'm just a, I just to sell insurance or I'm just a stay-at-home mom. And, oh, those are the spiritual people. That's the pastor. Oh, he's got a degree and, oh, the worship leader or, oh, the leader of the prayer ministry. But what I think is so powerful about your story is you were a woman who was in the business world doing your thing. You're a mom, you're a wife, and then you feel compelled by the Lord to pray and you take a risk really to say yes to that. And in saying yes to that, the Lord is blessing you. He's providing for you. He's meeting your needs. And I think that's such a powerful encouragement for people to pay attention, listen to what the Lord might be prompting or nudging or encouraging. I'm not saying it's prayer. Maybe 
who knows what it is. Maybe it's to share your faith in your neighborhood. Maybe it's to start a single moms group to encourage single moms and whatever it might be. What would it look like if you just took that first step of faith and trust that God's going to meet you there and he's going to equip you. He's going to give you the strength. He's going to give you the words. He's going to give you the provision. If you have to step away from provision, other, other places, that's really powerful. That's And that you don't need to have three degrees and, 12 trainings and been through this course to be qualified. I think it's so easy to feel unqualified to step into what really is biblical normal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's so good. That's so good. Can you talk a little bit about, obviously, prayer is a passion of yours and praying for the teams here. Um, Can you talk a little bit about prayer and intercession and the importance of that, the things God's taught you, things sure. that you've learned? When I actually realized I was an intercessor and called to prayer right after I got saved. Mm-hmm. But I realized it was modeled for me my whole life because I grew up in a Catholic home mm-hmm. and my mom and dad made and prayed over rosaries. Mm-hmm. They like literally made the rosaries and then they would give them away. And so my whole upbringing was very prayer-filled mm-hmm. and prayerful. And also my heart for ministry people came from that because the priests and the nuns from the Catholic Church would always be at our home. It was kind of a refuge, mm-hmm. a safe place for them. They could be themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up in that with that heart too, so for prayer and to serve those who serve people. Then when I got saved, the pastor of that church was really amazing. He had just come off the mission field and he had been a missionary for a number of years and was taking over a dying church. Hmm. And at the time, I was a bodybuilder. You were a bodybuilder? I was a bodybuilder. No way! Yes, and we were with a group of people. We'd go to the disco. I'm aging myself. This is amazing. So we were bodybuilders. Like professional bodybuilders. Professional bodybuilders. Okay. Yes. (laughs) And um, I I didn't do it as a profession, but most of the people I I was with did. My boyfriend at the time did. And... um, and yeah, and then we go to the dance club and go disco dancing. Nice. Isn't that funny? That's amazing. So, one of the guys who got saved from our group, and he started talking about the church he went to, so we all started to visit, <laughs> and one by one, our whole bodybuilding disco crew <laughs> <laughs> got saved. Came to Jesus. Came to Jesus. That's amazing. And we were all friends prior to that, right? And so there's something different about, we were all maybe between like 19 and 25, and we all got saved at the same time. And this, the pastor was so wise he grabbed us right away and started discipling us. Mm -hmm. But part of his discipleship was that he would invite us into prayer after service. And one of the guys from our crew was a piano player. And so he would start after every service, pretty much everyone else would be gone. And our crew of bodybuilder disco people... (laughs) would be left behind and there's by that time maybe about 30 of us Mm -hmm. and our friend who played the piano 
would start playing songs based on what the pastor had shared that day. Hmm. We didn't know they were prophetic songs. We didn't know anything about this. He just would pick up some things that he, the pastor had spoken about and played. And we'd just lay out around on the floor for hours. That's amazing, yeah. Before the Lord. Wow. And after a while, they gave us a key <laughs> so we could get in and, in and out by ourselves when we leave because the pastor was wise again, wise enough to realize God was doing something yeah. with this group of young people. Mm-hmm. And we did our basic kind of foundational Bible study and, and with him once a week. But then he would just leave us to lay before the Lord mm. for hours. And that's when he met Sunday morning and Sunday night. It was an Assembly of God church. And then Wednesday night. So that's really where I learned to pray. Mm. Like just laying quiet before the Lord. Yeah. And if you would have walked in, you thought, what the heck? Because I'm like, like all of these athletes and kind of <laughs> huge yeah. like muscle people like just yeah. laying all over the sanctuary. That's so funny. <laughs> I love that. The, pic- the mental picture that conjures up is, like, brilliant. Amazing. So it's, like, fun right from the start. Yeah. Right. Prayer was fun right from the start. And I, every one of those people is somewhere in the world still in ministry. Mm-hmm. And there was it was a called-out bunch. Like, it was such um, an interesting time for the whole group. I, Of course, I think that somebody, some someone of those parents or somebody had to have been praying for our yeah. group at the time. I'm sure I won't know until I get to heaven who to thank for that. Yeah. But it was a really unusual spiritual time. So we kind of grew together for a few years in that, but always with prayer centric to anything that we did. Mm-hmm. And that church at that point had about 200 people. And by the time I left uh, to go to Bible college, it was in the thousands and it grew thousands past that. Mm-hmm. And I really believe a lot of it was those few years that we all just spent. Yeah. Uh, before the Lord, revival really broke out in that area hmm. and in that church. So good. That's so good. I love that. I just have that that picture in my head. It's so good, and I I love the fact that it it didn't take. And I I'm not knocking churches and programs and all those things, but. I love how organic that was. Yes. I love, like you said, um, the wisdom of that pastor yes. to see God moving and just mm-hmm. not try to put his fingerprints all over mm-hmm. it, but just kind of give permission to have that space to come in and teach you truth in the word, but then step back and let you then go into that holy place of meeting with the Holy Spirit. And you could have that conversation that then those things are going to go deep and um, any questions you have, you're going to, those, those are going to be dealt with in those moments. And that's just really what a beautiful training ground for you and a place of discovery, right. And, and intimacy and learning to hear his voice. When Jesus says, my sheep will hear my voice. Will you learn to hear his voice when the, with the familiarity, right. With yes. Being in his presence and he becomes familiar. You start to recognize his voice in a crowd of noise because you're that intimate and that close to him. So that's a And really... that's when the pews, you know, they used to have the long pews. And so you'd like literally everybody would kind of be under a pew or in between. <laughs> yeah. In between rows. But we still had our dancing because I don't remember back in the 80s. Yeah. We kind of had our spiritual mosh pit up front <laughs> where everybody, so we went from dancing in the discos yeah, to everybody so would like, go up front and dance, yeah, dance in front of the 
blow the trumpet in, you know. All this <laughs> and so I think that was fun too because if you, I wish some of us would have taken pictures at the time because we went from dancing in the discos to the gathering up front and dancing before the Lord. So good, so good. So, so fast forward. Here you are. Um, you said yes to this call to just pray, pray for Gateway, pray for the people, pray for the church, pray for the ministry and the things that God's doing. Eventually you start getting asked to come in and pray specifically. And, and now, you know, here you are full time. You've got an office, you've got a volunteer staff, you know, you're, you, you have a little and a army pay, and a paid person even. That, oh, nice. Yes. But you have kind of like your little, you know, starting, um, it's a starting of one. Cause I've really only been over here since August. Yeah. Um, in this role mm-hmm. where there is a lot more freedom mm-hmm. um, because, uh, you know, as you know, being an intercessor, you always want to make sure you're under spiritual covering. Yeah. And so there's because I actually have an authority in prayer now at Gateway, there's a lot more freedom to kind of run. Yeah. I have at this point, there's around 300 volunteers right mm-hmm. now that I haven't in different areas of prayer. Yeah. And that's just my area. There's other people at Gateway who do prayer in different areas yeah. too. So there's like lots of different pieces and parts of prayer all across. So I just have like one part of it. You have your like special yeah, ops yeah, team. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> right. yes. I would love to talk to you about, Louisa had shared that um, one of the things that you have really encouraged and even challenged the, the worship staff with is that they would gather their own personal group of intercessors. And I am like, yes and amen. I would love for you to talk a little bit about that and unpack okay. why that's so important and, and the power that you see in that and how you see that manifest, like how you see that play out. Yeah, that's a great question. And that actually comes from Pastor Robert Morris mm-hmm. is the pastor of Gateway Church. And that's something he started in his own life. When he originally started the church, he put his own personal prayer team together, who they are still with him. Yeah. And so when I got to Gateway and heard that, I thought, like, that's spectacular. It's Mm -hmm. scriptural. It's like Epaphras, to me, was one of those who are a prayer team for Paul. Mm -hmm. So when I got here, I thought, well, that's something I can easily help people with. Mm -hmm. You know, we pray, ask the Lord who's supposed to be on your team, figure out how it works best for them. Mm-hmm. Because it really is a ministry to that pastor or that staff member, mm-hmm. how it works best for them. Then another area, then prayer shields over each department, mm-hmm. and then prayer shields over each campus. Mm-hmm. So that it makes it a lot easier to do what God's asked you to do mm-hmm. with all that prayer support. And it mm-hmm. also makes it a lot harder for the enemy to come in and cause any problems when yeah. everyone's the foundation and the support realm is all in the spiritual realm in prayer. And I would take it even further to say, this is for the body of Christ. This is how we love one another and bear one another's burdens. This is spiritual community. So what would it look like if we all would recognize that God's places in community, we have friends and family. What would it look like if sons and daughters would trust and allow and draw in people to not just have 
earthly relationship with, but also to have spiritual relationship with and bear one another's burdens in the spirit to intercede. Paul talks about, I, it's my desire that you would make all kinds of supplications and intercessions uh, for all people all of the time. We're called to be intercessors. One of the things that I teach in my prayer classes. People like to say, oh, those are the intercessors over there, but it's pretty clear that all of us are called to be intercessors, right? And what would it look like if we would recognize and take advantage of covering one another in that way? Oh, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. What has the Lord taught you about that? What has the Holy Spirit taught you personally about that? And how have you seen that play out as you've encouraged people in the worship ministry to maybe take an uncomfortable step and gather people to pray for them. What's been the fruit of that? What they have found, the testimonies that we get back after they get prayer teams in place, is life becomes easier. Mm. It becomes more fruitful. It becomes more um, joyful. How I, I personally feel about that is when, if there hasn't been a lot of prayer over anyone's life, you're kind of praying in the weeds at first and mm-hmm. there's daily things that are going on daily. Mm-hmm. Then as there gets to be more of a prayer foundation in anyone's life, an organ- gateway's life, you know, as an organization, a person's life individually, a department life, mm-hmm. then you can start praying into what I would call more prophetic mm-hmm. Um, or purpose, or original callings, uh, original intent, anointings, giftings. It becomes a lot easier to walk in that place mm. once you have enough prayer foundation over a life or over an organization. Yeah. Uh, rather than getting stopped. And I'm not saying we all don't have things that happen. and uh, So I'm not saying that that stops. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying sickness stops or finance things or personal I'm not saying that stops but there's definitely a marked difference Mm -hmm. and then even in someone's ability to walk through those harder things yeah when there's a spiritual formation that's already been done in the spiritual realm yeah it's good Uh, I love how you you put that that there's there's kind of a season of a foundation being built with that prayer team kind of like a Almost like, almost like building the 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 force field, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yes. The, and yes, um, and then that sets the table then for prophetic intercession to take place. Correct. What does that look like? I think there's a lot of people in the church, big C, large across you know the U.S. and and abroad, that you know, don't have a grid for an understanding for prophetic or they feel like, you know, that's Old Testament prophets, hellfire and brimstone and it's warning. But what is, how does the prophetic play out in the context of that? Okay. Well, you know, in the scripture is pretty clear and says that we should all prophesy. Yeah. So, and there's a lot of other scriptures for prophetic ministry and that it should be encouraging, comforting, exhorting. Yeah. I think we complicate it a lot mm, in good. the church. To me, like I lead a prophetic team. We'll be going to minister to one of our campus staffs next week. And what I'll say to my team is, as you're ministering in one-on-one ministry, however the Lord leads, it could be reading a scripture over them is prophetic. Yep, right? absolutely. A, a prophetic prayer, a prophetic blessing, 
a song. The Lord might give you a song to sing over them. One of our people is a sketch artist, and she'll write what the Lord shows her in a picture for that person and give it to them. Yeah. So I almost sometimes hate to word, use the word prophecy or prophetic, even though it's all throughout Scripture. To me, it's more about, like, what is God saying? Is yeah. God speaking anything to you? Or our pastor, at the end of every service, will say, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Yeah. Well, that's prophetic, but I love how simply he puts it. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Right. So, yes, there can be a lot of theological issues that people have with what they would consider Old Testament prophets mm-hmm. and what New Testament prophecy is. Yeah. I agree with you. But it, to me, it's as simple as a conversation. Mm-hmm. What is God speaking? And as long as it's lining up with the scripture, yeah, like to go ahead yeah, and share absolutely. that. Absolutely. It doesn't contradict what God says about himself or what yes. he says about you, right? Yeah. What are some, I would love if you have any, some testimonies or some stories of Things that you've seen unfold that you know were kind of a direct okay. uh, result of intercession. Okay. I have little things. I have big things. To me, it's about a grand romance mm-hmm. that we have this ongoing wooing from the Lord yeah, to our hearts, that. to our hearts to his. And so for me, I call them romance gestures mm-hmm. when God answers or does sweet things. And I have a kind of a whole life I could share of those. For six years, we prayed for my husband. We knew that God was calling him to do something different uh, in his career. And it was a, a very much a six-year getting a lot of people to join in and prayer for what was next. And just last August, he started a new company. And God put it all together, mm-hmm. brought financing, brought people, brought... Um, systems and processes and so that's kind of a huge thing Yeah, that God has answered prayer and that was about six years really of of praying and tarrying and there's just small things I love that because that speaks to um, the persistence yes you know that um, there's something about continuing to like carry that torch continuing to intercede and in the waiting with great expectation but also surrendering control of how that's going to unfold and and all of those things absolutely Mm -hmm. i i really believe that if god speaks something to your heart until you see it manifested in the natural realm I pray into that until I see it yeah. in tangible form. And some people would say that old intercessors would say praying something through until they have a release yeah. and their heart about it. But I actually continue to pray on until I see it actually manifested in the natural realm. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to make sure I say was that my first years with the Lord were delightful and wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then there was years in the middle that, like, there was some awful things that happened. Yeah. And then, and I can go into any of that that you would want. But then uh, once we got to Gateway, a, rest- a restoring, but even in a different way, a deeper way, because of the trauma or the different places in life that we'd walk through that were difficult. Yeah. So I always like to make sure I'm saying, like, it wasn't all rosy and it yeah, wasn't all good. delightful yeah. and it wasn't all beautiful. Um, but because of those years of things not 
not good. And because of arriving at Gateway Broken, I can sit in places with people yeah. that I would never have been able to had I only had this delightful front end part of my life. And not that God caused any of that. Absolutely. But, you know, Romans eight twenty eight, he works all things Yeah, for well, good. That, that's redemption, right? Yeah. And, um, I love the... Um, I can never remember his name, but there's the theologian who he categorizes the Psalms as uh, orientation, the category of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. Oh. And orientation are the the trees clap their hands, your holy praise, your holy name. They're just like kind of the happy, joyful, gl- gl- all glory to God. The disorientation is the my you know my my flesh is rotting on my bones. Why have you abandoned me? How could you let this happen? You know my enemies are surrounding me. You know that that kind of thing. And the reorientation is once you've gone to the disorientation and you come back out and you can say yet, my God, you are on the throne. Yet I will praise you. You know, and so then that that praise and that that glorious um you are on the throne you are the king of kings and the lord of lords is completely different it's got a different weight it's got a different authority because you've been through that place of disorientation you've been through the valley of the shadow of the death of death you've been in the desert where it looked like there was no hope and god met you in that place so now you can stand there and praise and worship and declare with a completely different perspective, right? Absolutely. And, um, you know, nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. Yeah. In fact, I love the scripture that Romans eight twenty eight. Yeah. All things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Yeah. And yeah. I hated that scripture for a really long time yeah. because I thought God was lying about it. <laughs> I'll be honest, right? Yeah, right? And so I was making a cake one day as the Lord starts unpacking that scripture about like you put in things that don't taste good on their own. Yeah. And then you put things in that taste really good on their own. Yeah. And then what do you do next? Yeah. But you beat it with a beater. <laughs> Think about your life, right? Yeah. It's and good. then you bake it in the oven. Hmm. And then you cut it up. <laughs> <laughs> and then it tastes great. <laughs> Tastes great, right, guys? I wish you those... could. I wish people could see your face right now. It's the best. You're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I really and and so I had to exchange some wrong theology for mm. some correct theology, mm. and all of those places because I was like, no, everything's not good, yeah, right. But then I didn't understand what good and God meant. Mm, so good. that was a real. That was a turning point uh, for my life when I realized that God would use all. All of it, all the good stuff, all the bad stuff, yeah. all the beating, all the baking, all the cutting, <laughs> all the heat, all yeah. the yeah, everything. Yeah, it's the um, is both in Jeremiah seventeen and in Psalm one, where God talks about the tree that's planted by the river and whose roots go deep, mm-hmm. so that when the heat comes mm-hmm. and the drought comes, its leaves won't wither and it won't stop producing fruit, and that's. That's that um, that intimacy. That's that leaning in to dependence on him and um, cultivating that relationship with him, hearing his voice so that your roots go deeper and deeper and deeper because the heat is going to come <laughs> and the drought is going to come <laughs> and uh, pests are going to come and, and all of those things. And um, part of being able to withstand in part of, 
cultivating those healthy root systems is prayer, is intercession. And, you know, it's a vehicle of relationship. Um, and then it's a vehicle of relationship that we can take advantage of and utilize to cover one another, which is really, really powerful. Thank you. Thank you. This was awesome. Honored to sit with you. Yeah. And talk. Honored to hear your story and honored to uh, get to get a glimpse into just how you're standing where God's placed you and how you're stewarding the things he's entrusted to you. And God bless you as you stand in that place and as you steward those things. And um, yeah, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here with you. Well, before we go, I want to just take a moment and sit with a couple of things. I really love Diana's childlike faith. Her desire to just be in God's presence, to have that ongoing conversation and then out of obedience to serve in this way with so much trust and faith, but also so much simplicity. It's so incredible what God can do in and through us when we just trust Him that we're enough and He's going to equip us for the things that He's called us to do. What is it that you sense that you are called to do? What has the Holy Spirit been nudging, tapping you on the shoulder? What are the gifts that he's giving you? What is that risk he's asking you to take that maybe you've resisted or been hesitant to step in? I love the testimony of Diana and her family's obedience to say yes and then the provision that came and the confirmation that came. So what is it that the Lord might be asking of you and how can you be encouraged and emboldened and strengthened in your faith through Diana's story? And the second thing I want to encourage every person that's listening Who are your intercessors? Who are your personal champions who are covering you in prayer? You don't need to be the pastor of a huge church to have people that are surrounding you, covering you with prayer, intercession, blessing, encouragement, who are warring for you and with you. So I want to challenge everyone who's listening. First of all, lean in, ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that you're calling me to do? Maybe you know what it is. Maybe you're already doing it. But what is that next step that he's asking you to take? And I want you to go to him and I want you to Ask him A to show you and B to just give you the that extra little push to say yes. And ask the Holy Spirit if there's something standing in the way. 
I love Diana saying that there are holy no's that she had to say in order for her to say yes. What are your holy no's? And as you step in to say yes, who are the people that God's brought in your life that you can go to and ask for prayer? Ask for covering. Ask for intercession. Who are those who could be watchmen for your life and your ministry? So, Father, in Jesus' name, I love how you made us to be in relationship, intimate, simple, sweet relationship with you and with each other, that we all have an invitation to come close, to be in your presence, and that you also have surrounded us with community and relationships. And part of the beauty of community and the gift of community is to bear one another's burdens and to cover one another. So Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray for clarity of vision. I pray for boldness and strength to step in obedience to you. And I pray for boldness and confidence to surround ourselves with people who will cover us in prayer. So Father, bless your sons and daughters. Fill them. Strengthen them. Pour out your presence upon them and use them in mighty, powerful ways for our good and for your glory. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sacred Space Podcast. And hey, if you want to support the production of this podcast and other projects by Stockton Ministries, you can make a tax-deductible donation by clicking the link in the episode notes or visiting us at StocktonMinistries.com and clicking the donate button in the top right-hand corner. And hey, spread the word, share with your friends. If you haven't already, if you could rate and review us on whatever app you are listening to the podcast, that would be incredibly helpful and just encourage people to listen. I hope that you have an amazing week, that you know that you are seen, known, and you are loved. We'll see you next time in the sacred space.